Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is for practical area. Please come by and visit us from God's Word, Zero Westwood Industrial Park Drive. To grab a piece of paper and pen, take notes. You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.com. You should have been there. It, what a, what a, don't you know, what a statement to have, especially you, you mentioned, Pastor Mike, you mentioned sports fans. You, you mentioned, you should have been there. You know, have you ever been to a sporting event where, and I have, I've been to sporting events, NFC championship games, World Series games, and I've watched some of the greatest moments in sports, and, and I had tickets. Because Gina is usually so good to make sure we have tickets to, to events like that. If you don't know my wife, if you're watching on the broadcast, I won't talk to you in a second. But if you're in the room and you, uh, you don't know who my wife is, she's right back here. Wave. So everybody knows who Gina is. This is Gina. She is truly my better half. She always makes sure we have those type of event tickets. And in fact, I can remember a, an event years ago in 2006, I believe it was 2006. We are in the St. Louis metro area, those that are watching the broadcast. So if you're not familiar with Bush Stadium 3, uh, we are, we opened up a new stadium. The St. Louis Cardinals did and they actually won the World Series that year in 06. But a friend of mine, I, I wasn't going to go on the first day of the new year at the new stadium. I had no tickets. I had no tickets, but I knew a lot of you that did. And some of you, actually, and his name was Randy. His, his name is Randy. Precious friends of ours, Randy and Ginger. Randy called me up. He sounds just like a teddy bear. Sounds actually kind of like, uh, in, in a playful way, kind of like Yogi Bear. Hey, Bear, what you doing? I said, what are you doing, buddy? He said, I got a surprise. I said, what's up? He said, how would you like to go to the home opener, the first game ever at Bush Stadium 3? I said, yes! And the whole time I'm standing or sitting there in my seat and I'm taking in this amazing moment. I am at history. I in sports history in the light of eternity. It's nothing. But then again, I'm easily pleased. I'm simple. I'm very simple to please. I really am. And I'm sitting there next to Randy and I kept going, Randy, thank you. Dude, are you serious? You know where... Scott, you can appreciate this, right? Were you there by any chance? You should have been there. Anyway. <laughs> Scott loves me. Don't worry. He, he didn't have tickets. That's right. I understand the feeling. Believe me. I depend on many. But I was, I was sitting there. I kept saying, Randy, thank you. Dude, I can't believe I'm here. I cannot believe what, what I, what I can't imagine is someone saying to me in, in, in all of the sports history. Yeah, I was there. You should have been there. I saw magical moments that day. Can I tell you? On the day when he mounts that horse, I want no one to say to me, you should have been there. You should have, because by that time, it's too late. 
to have been there. I have that ticket from that January day at Bush Stadium, game one, Bush Stadium three. It's too late to ever relive that event because, you see, if you weren't there, you weren't there. But that's the one you can afford to miss. The one you cannot afford to miss is the day when he mounts that white horse. And we actually, as believers, can say, oh my goodness, where's my horse? I mean, seriously, for those of you who don't believe animals are in heaven, read Revelation chapter 19. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pastor Paul, you know what I'm talking about. There are, there are horses there and he's ready to mount the white horse. And I honestly believe it could be any time. I mean that. I really believe it could be at any point in time. So I just would encourage you. I want to talk to you a little bit about the whole idea of you should have been there. Because I believe that was a statement that was made to me about 30 years ago uh, by my pastor Rex Bornman at the time. If you, Most of you know him. He is an elder at this church. He works as a U.S. Uh, missionary out of Dallas, Texas. And he stood in that pulpit that day and said, you don't any, we never want anybody to say to you, you should have been there. Because I'm going to tell you, those kind of moments, you cannot get back. You cannot get back. And early in the early church, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. That's where we're going to go, right, Chaplain Earl? You should have been there. You don't want that ever said to you. You should have been there. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I want to talk to you about a moment that I can honestly say I would love to have been there. But I'm really glad I'm here today. Because the then was when the power was unleashed. But today, 2,000 years later, in the, from the early church, we're still, by the way, the modern-day church. Did you know that we're still the Book of Acts church? We're still the Book of Acts church. We didn't stop being the Book of Acts church. We never stop being the Book of Acts church. We are. The kingdom of God is alive and well. If you, are, if you know Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, doesn't matter what denomination or non-denom you belong to, if you know the King of kings and Lord of lords, you're part of the modern-day church, the Book of Acts church. And we didn't stop being a powerful church. I didn't say some people didn't lose their power. I said the church is alive and well, and we are the Acts church. And we will continue to be the Acts church. But I want to take you back 2,000 years to the early days of the church. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Just so you know, at the end of the Gospels, if you're not really familiar. And by the way, thank you for joining us by broadcast this morning. I won't list all the countries that are involved this morning in our broadcasts. But we want you to know that we know that you're there. We know that you are there. And we appreciate the fact that you're joining us in all of our broadcasts. And those of you family members who are still, you're, you're not here yet. Well, we're looking forward to you coming home, and we will have a reunion, we hope, really soon. Give them all a huge hand, by the way. This is a powerful God we serve. And I want to take you back really quick. Join me. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you're not familiar with it, this is where, when we started St. Charles River Church, or I'll say it this way, according to the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit started St. Charles River Church through us. How's that for a more scriptural way of saying that? He starts everything. He gives birth to everything. And so the, the Holy Spirit gave birth to us as a church. And by the way, you're in a new season of SCRC. We're in the second 20. We're in the second 20 years. We're just starting from some at some level from scratch again. A lot of churches are because we are just realizing COVID just did a number around the world. But I got nothing better to do than to grow the kingdom. How about you? 
Okay, awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We believe that. So Acts chapter 2, this is the early day church. This is the modern day church, but it's the early day church history, the book of Acts. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. So you know what the word Acts means. Jesus had already ascended at the end of all four Gospels. Jesus had already ascended. He had had actually risen from the dead. He came back. He rose in three days. Um, Over 500, the book of Acts recorded, actually saw him in his risen state. And he is he is uh, literally ascended. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told the disciples to go back before he ascended. Go back to the upper, go to Jerusalem. Wait there until I send my comforter. They did that. We know that there was 120, the Bible says, in the room when that took place. Just so you know. I don't know, and I'm going to be a little extra biblical. Just I'm not anti. I'm talking about extra biblical. I'm thinking outside here. There might have been 175 or 250 that actually gathered because 500 saw him. In a risen state. But what we know is, the Bible says, in that when they were all in one accord, the Spirit fell. So what we know is, they were in unity at 120. I I don't know. It might have taken a, a minus number to get them into unity. You understand what I'm saying? Some people not. I don't know. We don't know. But what we know is there were 120 when the Spirit fell. The Spirit fell. All kinds of ruckus took place. People accused him of being drunk. You know, And Peter had this great, great message in, in uh, chapter 3. He had this great message that, that where 3,000 were added to the church in one day. He's not the same Peter that denied Christ. You all know that, right? This is not the same Peter. This is the same as Paul was not Saul. This was a new man, a new creature in Jesus Christ. You and I, when we met Jesus Christ, that's the old Barry. When we, when we meet him, that's the new Barry. And some was, so there ought to be a difference in us. That, everybody say that was then. This is now. So in other words, we don't hold what our neighbor did 30 years ago against them when they know Jesus today. It's not my place. Not your place is not my place. We don't do that. God's the restorer. God is the baptizer. He is the redeemer. And he is the, he is the one who stamps the fresh new season in all of our lives, right? So all of a sudden, so we got Peter preaching. 3,000 were added that day. And this amazing, amazing 3,000 people. What would we do if, if 3,000 people were added in, in one day, guys? What would we do here at SCRC? I, I actually will tell you, we actually do have a plan. It's called the New Testament church plan. It's called small groups. Jesus modeled it when there were 15, well, we know it was 5,000 plus women and children, approximately 15,000, many speculate. But you know what he told them to do? Break them up in what? Small groups and feed them. Groups of what? 50. He said, now that to me is a church. <laughs> but 3,000 is it is a big number. He knew 50 was manageable. And so he told the disciples, put them in smaller groups. There was a model that was set up in the early day church. And this, I want you to know, Acts chapter 2. If you haven't figured this out yet, I want you to write this down or remember these scriptures. Okay? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I've taught it for 20 years now. It is where we find the model of the early day church. It's a perfect model of the early day church. I'll never forget one of the first times I ever taught this. Uh, Robin Rhonda, your son Keith, was sitting in the congregation at that time in a military United States uniform. And uh, one of the things that I stated, and you're going to hear me read this in a second. One of the things I stated in the early church, if I owned it, it's yours. If I own it and you need it, it's yours. And I made the statement, if I own, if I own a lawnmower and your lawn needs to be cut, 
You let me know. It's, it's your lawnmower. If I own it, you can have it. And about that time, somebody yelled up, you're going to mow it for her? I said, yeah, actually, I, I would do that. Absolutely, I would do that. But in the early church, if you needed food, Maxine, we provided the, the food. That's what we. We is in the big picture, the church of Jesus Christ. If someone needed encouragement, and I have the words of encouragement, that's what I'm there for. I'm there to lift people up. And, and so anyway, on that day when I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this particular concept of the five purposes of the church but that you see in these five banners that are hanging above us, those are not accidents. Those are just not cute words. That's the vision of St. Charles River Church. It's the early day church. We find fellowship, and I'm going to read it. We find ministry, ministry. We find worship, we find discipleship, and we find evangelism. Those are the five purposes of the early day church found in this scripture. So anyway, at the end of service, a lady walked up to me, and I think her name was Mary Ann. Mary Ann walked up to me, she said, Pastor, were you serious about the lawnmower? I said, I am. Yes, I am serious. Do you need gas? She said, I, as a matter of fact, I will need gas if it takes gas to run that thing. And about that time, Keith walked up to me in his uniform and he said, wait a minute, all right, ma'am, do you need your lawn mowed? I do. I sure do. He said, I'll mow it for you. No problem. Pastor Barry, let me know when to swing, pick up the mower, and I will mow that lawn for you. And I'm sitting there going, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Okay, let's, let's, instead of speculating, let's just go right to it. All of a sudden, they had to figure out what to do with 3,000 people. And I'm going to say it this way. It doesn't say this, but I'm going to speculate if it was 5,000 plus women and children, there may have been 3,000. I don't know. 3,000 plus women and children. I don't know. Because women and children were not recorded in that day. They were recorded as properties or as ownership. Ladies, aren't you glad for the risen Savior who set, who broke that rule and set it aside? There is equality in the kingdom. If anybody ever teaches you that women have a second place in the kingdom, you need to talk to my grandmother who pastored the church after my grandfather died for 25 years. You need to talk to all the, the women that are, that are alive and well in ministry today around the world and the, and the women in this church that are alive and well in ministry in their homes. Talk to, listen, there is, there is, when, when you meet Jesus, you are raised up to a place of royalty and value. There's no second place. So anyway, there were 3,000. All of a sudden they had to do something with these 3,000. And they were, this is the, here, here's what they, here's what God's word says, uh, that they actually met daily in the temple courts. They prayed together. They were meeting daily in the temple courts. All of a sudden that, I mean, they didn't put 3,000 in the temple court. You got to tell you, they started breaking this up into a, because the church is about to be persecuted. So the early day leaders started breaking them up into, and in, in, Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, there you go, and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. In other words, if you need something, it's yours. If I have it, and I have access to it, or I have access to it and it's somebody else's in the kingdom, it's yours. When you need it, and then by the way, if somebody else needs it, give it back. It's not an ownership thing. It's, it goes on to say in verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Here we go. First 
first record of a home church. First record of a home church. And yet, where was Jesus going in all three years of his ministry? Into people's homes. Into people's homes. That's how he got the reputation that he was a friend of sinners. Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your home, you tax cheat. Now I can't mention the IRS. Anyway, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house. And people started talking. People started Ah, he shouldn't be going there. That man has ripped my parents off. That man has ripped more people off. And Zacchaeus comes to Jesus. The old Zacchaeus is no longer the new Zacchaeus. And he is paying back the debt of the old Zacchaeus because now he's the what? New Zacchaeus. Sometimes I honestly believe if you and I need to give ourselves a new name when we met Jesus, we might need to do that to remind ourselves that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Goes on to say, I I got three amens out of that one. They broke bread in their homes and ate together in glad and sincere hearts, praising God and 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 uh, and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Uh oh, evangelism is actually part of the early day church, and he added daily. To the numbers of those being saved. You know, there's one thing I've learned in my lifetime, and I'm not much of a science guy. I'm not saying I don't believe. I believe science verifies God. I believe science verifies creation. I don't get into arguments about science because I believe science it truly verifies all about what God said. But there's something about science I've learned. That a healthy organism will always reproduce itself. I I got, okay, two over there agreed with me. I'm coming back over here. I said, a healthy organism will always reproduce itself. When when people are married, a young couple gets married, and they're struggling finding a a way to get pregnant and to conceive of children, they will often go to the doctor to find out what is it about him or what is it about me, a woman, that is not healthy in some way that's blocking this from taking place. And so when they finally discover what it is, uh, endometriosis or in, in, in or lack of account a in a male, what they will, what they will do is they will do things to the human body and they will bring it to a healthy state and they can reproduce many times, most of the time. At that point, if they can bring those two to a healthy state, a healthy organism will reproduce itself because God created it to do that. And that's the way it is with the church. You know, I, if, if the church isn't adding to the numbers, those who are being saved, we need to look closely starting at me. Now, I said that about 15 years ago. I gave it the first five years before I actually said that. But about 15 years ago, I said, y'all need to be looking at me if we're not adding to those who are being saved. And then from there, because see, I believe... I honestly believe this. I believe that we, if we're in a healthy state, we will be adding to those who are being saved. Because, you see, evangelism is one of the five purposes of the early church. And we launched back then about two years or a year and a half into the existence of SCRC. We launched... I think it was 10 or 12 new small groups. I I trained the leaders myself. It was an amazing thing. We're just about, in fact, one of our new small groups just launched. Pastor Carl's got his small group. It's healthy and it's going strong. Uh, we, we are, we are in the season, a new season of small group launching. Uh, by the way, if you want to know, let me just say this. 
If you are watching this broadcast and you are, it's time to come home to church and you know that. I'm talking about you've never been to SCRC. Then what we want you to do is write, and I, here's here's the email address. You can go back and record it, and, and it, since it's on the the FaceTime or Facebook Live, you can go ahead and roll it back and get it again. It's Pam at stcharlesriverchurch.org. If you would like to know if S, if St. Charles River Church can be a church that's your future, join me starting September 23 on Wednesday nights here at 7 o'clock. And we're going to tell you who we are and why we do what we do for four Wednesday nights straight. I will be hosting. And we're going to set up a small group. The first 20 who register, you will be a part of our small group right here in SCRC. And we're going to just, for one hour, 7 to 8 o'clock, for four weeks straight, we're going to talk about St. Charles River Church, and you'll have access to ask me all kinds of questions. Please come. If you've never been here before, please come. Register. Let Pam know, Pastor Pam know, at pam at stcharlesriverchurch.org. Let her know, and we will get you registered. But we are in a new season of small groups, and I want to talk to you about the value of that quickly. You heard Pastor Carl speak about that last week. You heard Pastor Carl speak about, you know, what, when, just think about this. Remember in, was it Acts chapter 12, like verses 5 through 18 or 17, when, when Peter was in jail and he did the great escape? When the angel shows up, he's got shackles all over his feet. Remember the Pastor Carl told the story, got shackles on his feet and, and the angel hits him on the side. It says, it, the angel struck him on his side. He must have been in a deep snore sleep. That's all I'm saying. This is this dude's about to be beheaded the next day, at least according to Herod, and 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 he he, he hits him. He said, get up, get your clothes on. Hey, if I'm about to be beheaded the next day, I don't even think I, I'm taking my clothes off to sleep. He said, get your clothes on, put your get your stuff together, and walk with me. And Peter thinks he's in a dream. Remember, he thinks he's he's in a vision, and he doesn't realize it's real. And they're passing the guards. Can you imagine what Peter's going through? What we, what we didn't focus on last week was what was happening. What was the cause of this? What the cause of it was is there is a small group meeting in Mary's house. We know that because it's recorded later. There's a small group interceding all night on Peter's behalf. There's a small group. Can you imagine not going to small group that night and everybody the next day saying, you should have been there when Peter walked in that door. You should have been there. Oh, my God, you should have been there. Well, Mary just about fell out. <laughs> you know, and I did fall out. I don't remember anything. I don't know what all took place when Peter walked through that door. But the, just go back and read that. There was a small group interceding for him all night. The Bible says so. They were praying. The church was alive and praying for one of their own. And he walks... <laughs> The angel walks him down the street and then the angel disappears. And he's like, okay, now I know this is stinking real. This is the angel of the Lord that delivered me. So he goes to Mary's house. He knew where Mary lived. And so he goes to Mary's house and he walks in and they are like, oh, this little girl answers. The, yeah. Who is this? It's Peter. What? Weren't they praying all night? He'd be delivered. Who is this? It's Peter. What? Well, this is impossible. Well, I mean, read the story. Then the little girl runs in. Some guy outside says he's Peter. And it sounds like him. So they go out there. They're going to, I guess they look through the holy peephole. You know, they're looking out to check. 
it's Peter. So they escort him in. And it's Peter, the guy we've been surprised, actually asked God to deliver all night. And can you imagine having missed that small group prayer meeting? I don't want to hear about it secondhand. I want to experience it firsthand. I want to be in the room when the Spirit moves. How about you? I'm going to ask Pastor Pam Patton. She's going to join me here on the platform real quick. You're going to take that microphone. Pastor Pam had a small group in the early 2000s. And uh, everybody give Pastor Pam a huge hand. Pastor Pam Patton is a is an associate pastor here at St. Charles River Church. You've seen her. In fact, you remember she went to Israel. You got to see a couple of uh, of slides where she experienced Christ and what God did in the early days of the church. And so I want her to share. There was a small group that that you had back in the mid two thousands, approximately. And uh, the first one I want you to share real quick is the gentleman with. Uh, there was a, a need of a gentleman with uh, with Lou Gehrig's disease. And I want you to share that story, if you would. Yeah, and, and also, just a really brief, just to say as far as how I even became a leader of a, a small group, was when we did divide out, and we won't go into the whole story of how we did that, but it was fun. We just got in a big room, and we all juggled up, and we ended up with people you didn't even necessarily know. And I remember my husband, Then they after you got with your six, eight people that you had, then they said, pick a leader. <laughs> and I remember my husband hitting me going, don't volunteer. Don't do it. Don't volunteer. And I was like, okay, no, that's fine. But nine months later, I was leading the <laughs> That's how God does. That's how God does. He raises up leaders. And just to encourage anyone for age, I look back at that when I was reflecting on this is just the fact that I was in my mid-30s then. So I started leading our first small group here at this church when I was in my mid-30s. So don't think you're too young out there to to be a leader of a small group. But the gentleman that had ALS, he had actually been diagnosed when he was 49 years old. He was a construction worker. And, um, you know, that's the way ALS is. It usually hits you in the prime of your life. And um, as it went on, he was so blessed that he lived. Uh, it was credible just because his wife took such amazing care of him. It was 10 years into wow. it. And at that time, we were at this church. And I talked to our small groups, and we reached out to this family, and we said, is there anything? Thank big. Don't think little. We had a good-sized small group. We said, think big. Is there anything we could do that would help you all? And he came back to us, and they said, you know, we have a shed out back that's just falling down. Would you guys consider um, rebuilding the shed? And I actually have got a couple of slides here um, from that. So this was... Um, Actually, if you look, there's Debbie Edmondson. We had uh, Dan and Debbie Edmondson was a part of that. Uh, Max and Jenny Waddell, she's in the I Love You New York. Stephen Angie Garner, she was in the red. I'm the one there in the black. Um, and we kept laughing. So if you'll go to the next slide, because this is the ladies all working. Now watch the men. See, they had one tool. <laughs> And they were all so fascinated by that, all the other men would watch the one man work. <laughs> we kept taking pictures of them all standing around watching the one guy work. <laughs> but it was an amazing. And as Pastor Barry says, especially like when we're going on missions trips or anything we do, it is about people. Right. So what we told our group when we got there is we said, we want to build this shed and we want to, you know, bless this family. But I said, I want especially the guys to take turns going in and talking with, his name was Ben. And I said, Ben, with ALS, you lose everything else, but you still have the, your mind still sharp. Right. And he loves sports. So we encouraged our men one by one to go in and just 
just talk to him. I said, he can hear you. He he didn't speak real well at that point. But so it was just a huge blessing that we were able to to go out and and bless this family. Um, And then another story I know we just mentioned was um, we'd had one of our families that had some young children. And one of the children got sick. She had taken them to the ER that day. And all of a sudden, I get a call as a small group leader just saying, hey, you know, I have to take the little guy to, um, they're going to admit him. And she had another one in school. And all of a sudden, and she didn't have family in the area. And I know, I, I'm sure so, so many of you have too. I have an adult son that lives out of the area. And we've always encouraged him, if you don't have, um, you know, family there, blood family there, you know, church family can be just as, right. as amazing as a support system right. as right. a blood family can be. So when this family had, um, his little guy ended up, we made, you know, she wanted to talk to Michelle Arthur, who was a nurse, so we got her in touch with her. I think the only thing we called Pastor Barry to do, he said, do we need, does church need you anything? I was like, no, we got it. You, we just need you to pray. <laughs> and so, I went, you know, I went up to the hospital. We had somebody else pick up her, her son from school. We had, you know, other people said, well, we'll get them food for the next couple of days. And so it was just amazing how this small group really came together, um, especially, like I said, in that situation where they didn't have other family in the area that could That's help right. them out. That's so. right. Thank you, Pastor Pam. Give her a hand, guys. So my point with those stories is impact. My point with the story is small groups are created for impact. It's not just for social setting, though that's fellowship. That is actually one of the five purposes of the church. When people criticize in the kingdom groups that come together and socialize, there's often a negative uh, type of connotation to that. But the truth is, that's one of the five purposes of the church. It's called relationship. And it's it's what y'all did. That, what hospital was that? St. Louis University? Uh, it was Lake St. Louis. Okay. So wherever they were, they came from wherever they were. They picked up their kids at school. They made sure that, that, that their family needs were being met. Their children, they actually fed their children that night. And, uh, this gentleman was this, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease gentleman. He was, uh, can you imagine how loved he felt during that time? I don't know how many days it was. I do know this. They, mer- they worked, uh, that picture was in the light. I don't know if we had a building permit or not. That's the one thing after it was all said and done, I said, don't ever tell me if you got a work permit for that or not. Don't ever, I don't even know what city that was in. Don't yell it. Anyway, but the, the modern day church today is to be the, the empowered, impactful church of 2,000 years ago, making a difference in people's lives. And I just want to invite you, don't ever let it be said that you should have been there. When you saw some great event and you saw the tears perhaps coming down the cheeks of a man with ALS, knowing that his time is limited and the family knows his time is limited. Or when you, when you, when you come to an emergency room to make sure that a mom and a dad is okay when their baby's inside and it's not a good day and things are not looking good, things are looking critical. I can tell you we have had opportunity after opportunity in small group settings over the last 20 years, and I have been at many of those opportunities. I, I can tell you there, at midnight one night, and you know my story, in the middle of a snowstorm, uh, I got a call from, it was St. Louis University Hospital, and it was a member of our church family that said, I, I, my, I, I'm here, but my mother is dying. She's in the, uh, in the uh, urgent, she's in uh, ICU, and she, my mother's dying, and, and I need you to come and pray for her. This is what the church does. This is how we respond as the church church. And, and I, I got in a little Ford Escort in the middle of a, at least a 12 inch snowstorm. 
This was like once-in-a-lifetime kind of snowstorms. And I drive down to St. Louis University. I've never, at that time in my life, never pulled onto the property of St. Louis University Hospital. And I'm driving down Grand Boulevard. Y'all know where I'm at? Driving down Grand Boulevard, and I see the words over this big, huge archway, St. Louis University. So I... I went. I had a little bit of a hump there, so I got up over the hump, pulled the back of the car up, and I'm driving down. I'm looking for what? Where does it say hospital entrance and so on? And I see a park bench in front of me, and I realize something. I am on a sidewalk. I am actually on a sidewalk on St. Louis University. In the middle of a snowstorm, and it's a whiteout. I mean, it really is a whiteout. So I figure. The best place to go is where I came from. So I put it in reverse and followed my tracks right back out, did the hump, the second hump, and now I'm on Grand. That I figured I'm on Grand, and I kept going down the same direction, and I finally see it's the old St. Louis University emergency room sign through the, through the snow. I get down there, and it probably 1.30 by the time I got there in the morning, I was laying hands on a woman and praying for this woman and praying a prayer for her to receive Jesus Christ because we don't even know if she knew Christ. And you know what? She was at a place where we couldn't even tell if she responded. But just like this man who had his mind completely clear, we always assume that they can hear us and we always assume that they're responding in a positive way. Wouldn't you respond in a positive way? If you, if you know you're about to leave this world, I've never met a person yet that I'm, I'm talking about whether they were an atheist or not. All atheists become believers on a deathbed. Most anyway, most anyway, will choose to believe out of desperation. And by the way, if we don't know that we're desperate for God, we don't know the truth then. Because there's none of us in this room that are not desperate for Christ. And I prayed that prayer and I said, in the name of Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. And you will see the master face to face when you leave this earth. About three hours later, that woman, we believe, went to be with Jesus. Now, I, I, here's a, a general rule I have. Where Jesus is in the picture, there is always hope. Uh, you know, I, I don't do one of these, well, we don't know where they went. Or Why would I ever say that? I just invoked the name of Jesus over this woman and prayed over her that she would receive him and acknowledge him and her spirit as Lord. And the Holy Spirit is moving at the time. He sent me down there. Why? To lose her? To lose her? I just believe that he's that good. Ain't, you know, the old song, ain't God good? We have a good, good father. So he sends me there to lose her? No, that's not why he sent me there. He sent me there to clinch the relationship. Not just for her, but for that family. For that family, for them to know, okay, there's a good, good father who sent a man God sent a man. His name was John. <laughs> you know, remember scripture. God sent a man. His name was John. What is your name? God sent a man or a woman and put your name in there. And I'm telling you, wherever God sends you, he's sending you for purpose, not to lose somebody, but to win somebody. I'm going to wrap it up with this. In the next few weeks, you're going to hear more about small groups and small group settings. And I want you to know there's a place for you in the kingdom. Now, not all of us are here today. In fact, the crowd just a little bit lower today than it has been the last several weeks. We've actually, I believe most have returned. 
from the quarantine. Most all have returned from the quarantine at St. Charles River Church, but many are away today. And that's all right. We bless if you need to be away in the Lord. We don't do guilt at church, do we, Jeannie? We just don't do that. In the name of Jesus, we just believe that you have family reasons you need to be away. We just believe that God has a purpose and a timing. Well, this is, and my, from my perspective, Maxine, this is the church's finest hour. I said this is the church's finest hour. I'm not talking about just SCRC. This is the kingdom of God's finest hour. He said, in, my, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I'm telling you, God is moving around the world. And, and on that day, when we see him and he will come and receive us to him in the rapture of the church, when that happens, you don't want someone to say to you, you should have been there. Bow your heads with me quickly. I want to pray with you. If there's anyone in this room or in this listening audience on this broadcast, you do not know, really, if you've really fully committed your life to Jesus Christ. Well, today is the day that you're going to be there. Today is the day that you have are are deciding, I will not miss that day. I will not miss that day. I am going to be there, and no one will ever tell me you should have been there. Today, I'm going to fully give my life over to Jesus Christ. If that's you, no one's looking around. I want you to raise your hands in this room quickly and pull it right back down. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see yes. Three, four. Yes. Anyone else? Quickly. I want to make sure that today is the day that I am choosing to be there. On the day of his appearing, if that's you, raise your hand quickly. Come on. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? If you're in your your home today and you're watching this broadcast, take the step of faith and actually just raise your hand right there in your living room. Just not so I can see it. Obviously, I can't. But God will know by your action. And he knows your heart. And he knows the, the prayer you're about to pray. They're not magic words, but they're a decision on your part. And I believe everyone needs to hear themselves say these words. So I want everyone in this room to pray with me so that those who raise their hand will not be praying alone. Everyone in this room, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today I confess the need of a Savior and Lord. And so today I'm confessing that I have not fully given everything over to you today but today is different that was then this is now i want to be the new me the same as peter was the new peter and paul was the new saul i want to be the new me so i completely unreservedly give everything to you and confess my sin and ask you to forgive me Today, right now, in the name of Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Today, write my name in the Lamb's book of life, where it'll never be blotted out. It'll never be blotted out. And I will see you on that day of your appearing. I will be there. I will be there by your power. And in the name of Jesus. And every- we hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. At, you can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.